Welcome to the Birmingham Litfest Presents podcast series, as taken over by the Wolverhampton Spark Young Writers for six stories, all set late on the same night at Wolverhampton train station. William Gallagher reads his own story, Apologies for Any Inconvenience. The 2348 train to Birmingham New Street from Platform 2 is delayed by eight minutes. This is due to signal failure. It's now expected at 2356. Apologies for any inconvenience this caused. What did he say? 2350? What? Uh, I wasn't listening. There are a lot of men in this waiting room and it's a full-time job keeping an eye on them, keeping sure I'm safe. No other women. That's odd. And anyway, the announcements, they're never clear. Used to be better, used to be clearer when they had a first-class lounge here instead of this, this smelly, overcrowded room. But I suppose times have to change. I like that bit about apologies for any inconvenience caused. I caught that bit. Apologies. Not we apologise and most definitely never we're sorry. Just distance yourself from the problem like it's not your fault, like it is everyone else's fault. And now I'm looking at her beret. There's a gap in the frosted glass between those two football fans. And when she bends, when she bends down, what is she doing? Talking to a child? Kicking a vending machine? When she bends down, I can see this flash of red material on her head. Might not be her, but it is. I know it is. Please let this train come soon. Please let her stay outside until it comes. Please let me get on a different part of the train to her when it does come. That's quite a lot of please. Please like begging. Yeah, tonight, tonight I'd beg. This evening, I wouldn't have done. I didn't beg. I test my shoe on the ground, pressing it gently backwards. The heel is definitely coming off now, but hopefully it'll last till I get home. I should have swung this shoe at her face. That's what I should have done. Not been knocked back by what she said. You can look suitably ferocious when you take a step back in sheer surprise but not when it means your foot gets caught in your dress. I went down onto the table like she'd thrown me there. And actually, I think really she had done. It's not like she was my closest friend, right? It's not like we've been through a lot together, but we had both dated Martin in accounting at the same time. And she must feel the same bond that I thought we had. You can't fail to feel a bond when the two of you have simultaneously given him black eyes each. That was a good afternoon. But now this, this is so much more important than a man. This is work. She stood there at my leaving party table in the restaurant and she announced that she was taking over the job I had just left and the job I thought I was about to go to. Apologies for any inconvenience. I hobbled out of that restaurant, came up to the station. I've spent an hour in this cold and most definitely not first class waiting room. And now she's outside. They're all outside. My entire world of work, my entire social life is standing the other side of this glass and I want them to see me. I want them to know I don't care. Except I do care and I do not want them to see me. Quick, quick, check, check something in the back, check anything in the back. Just, was she looking through the gap? Did she see me? I hear a laugh outside. It wasn't from her, but it was close. It was one of her acolytes, one of the people she's still employed, one of the favoured few. And they were laughing about me, 
And there they were. Just let them come in here. Just let them. My fingers tightened around my bag and I wished I had something hard and heavy in there. The first one through that door is going to get it, I decided. Apologies for any inconvenience. My mouth is dry. There's no vending machine in here. I didn't get to finish. I had a chicken bone in my throat when I stormed out of that restaurant. A chicken bone in my throat and a song in my heart. I tried to think, I'm so cold. I'm so alone. Oh, the beret, it's bobbing again. This time, like she's shaking with laughter. I shake a little too, with the cold. It's 23.51 now. I must have missed up. It's got to be soon. It's got to be soon. I get up. I cross over to the window, being careful to just smile politely enough at the old man in the corner that I'm not rude, but I'm not encouraging. And I'm, I'm really careful to stand apart from him. I'm behind an, a billboard. It's an ad for happy summer holidays somewhere. It is her. She's just taken off the beret and popped it onto Michael's head. Oh, so that's how it is. Michael has just been anointed. I wonder if he even realises. For the next weeks, maybe months, maybe as much as a year, he will now be the one she turns to, relies on, confides in. Michael instead of me. Michael. I wouldn't pick him to fetch coffee. But then maybe, maybe that's how she works. Just as she saved the company money by getting rid of both of my jobs, maybe she likes making herself indispensable. No matter what it costs, everyone else. My breath in the window clouds up the gap and I step back, but, but she still hasn't noticed. She's still with Michael. She's put her hand on his arm now and he's buying the whole act. If I read this right, he's soon going to suggest that he gets her a taxi and she'll pretend like, oh, that wasn't her idea all along. There it is. There he goes. I can actually read his lips saying, taxi. And she's going all coquettish now. Oh, oh, do you think so? And you're so thoughtful. But I see her. I see her glance at her watch. I see her calculating whether it's faster to wait now and get a train or to get a taxi with him. I see her calculating how quickly she can ditch Michael if they leave together in a taxi. Station clock behind her is saying 23.54 now. So I did definitely miss here, but it can't be much longer. It can't be. And she's looking at the screen behind it now. She's waiting for the list of stations to change. And, and now it does. Now it's showing her our train and expected 23.56. Okay. It's not long. Not very long. I don't know what she says to Michael. She's got her back to me now and I can't lip read. But whatever it is. He's buying it. He's completely sold. He is completely smitten. You can see how he looks like she thinks he's done a great thing. When from her body language, I can see she's turned him down and has decided to wait for the train. And now that body language is that she's cold. So there's Helen. Helen from the accounts department. Martin's new girlfriend. Helen from accounting is taking off a jacket to give to her. They're blind. All of them. Every one of them. This is how she gets you. This is how she makes friends before she knifes you in the back. This is how she makes you feel needed before you realise you aren't and you never were. Helen and Michael are actually competing now. He's trying to press his coat onto her. How does this work? She takes her beret back from him like it's some great kind compromise. Oh, and she's touching his cheek while pressing a hand against Helen's arm. I swear... They're growing taller in front of me. 
and now she's saying, I can't see it. I can't see what she's saying, but, but I know. She's saying they should all go into the waiting room. I back away from my vantage point and look to where I've left my bag and coat. They're, they're, they're too far away. I can't get to them in time to use as any kind of weapon. I'm going to be caught standing here. It's going to be so clear. I've been in the waiting room all this time. It's going to be so clear that I've been watching them. If they come in, if they come in, they come in. She stops in the doorway when she sees me. Then she steps forward exactly enough to dominate the room, exactly enough to let her audience come in behind her and see me too. Helen has the good grace to look guilty. Michael looks at me with pity and she has this expression of vindictive pride. I feel myself set my jaw like I'm bracing for a blow and I'm most definitely not going to smile at her and then then I am walking out of the waiting room Michael and Helen flinch back out of the way but she stands there blocking me until we are standing nose to nose my nose actually touches her nose and she can see it in my eyes she can see everything and she steps aside I stride out through that door my head held high and it is only as I feel the cold of the outside air slap me that I realise I've left behind my bag and coat. There is a giggle behind me and I could weep. If you see something that doesn't look right, speak to staff or text the British Transport Police on 61016. We'll sort it. See it, say it, sort it. Apologies for any inconvenience was written and read by William Gallagher.